0: You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit, a podcast that breaks down business concepts into simple and clear language. This season is dedicated to interviewing e-commerce experts that can help you improve your e-commerce business. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of a conversion rate optimization consulting firm. They help online businesses improve their conversion rate. So why does this matter? Let's say that you had a thousand people visit your website last month and not one of them bought something. This, of course, is not good because you've paid in one way or another for those people to visit your site as compared to the millions of other websites they could have gone to. So you've got to not only focus on getting people to your site, which is essentially marketing, hearing about you, you've also got to get them to buy once they've visited your site. You've got to get them to convert from a visitor to a buyer. That's why it's important to optimize your website to get more people who visit to convert to a buyer. That's why it's called conversion rate optimization. So let's jump into the interview with John and talk about how he helps improve the conversion rate on his clients' websites. John, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so this, I'm excited about this topic. So John, you help online businesses improve their conversion rate, meaning you increase the percentage of visitors that come to the site that actually buy. <laughs> Uh, And, you know, we we were talking before the show started, you said that you help people think differently about their site. So I'm excited. Let's dive in. So uh, starting off, can you explain exactly what conversion rate optimization means and is?
1: Yeah, of course. So at The Good, which I'm the founder and CEO of, we are a conversion rate optimization firm. And what that means to us is we help brands to convert more of that existing website traffic into customers. So there's a ton of firms out there who will drive qualified traffic to a site through search engine optimization or AdWords and digital marketing of that sort. Most of them end up kind of stop their process once somebody gets to your site. That's where we pick up the baton and start running with it. True conversion rate optimization is essentially helping brands to understand how people are engaging with their website, and collecting data on every click and movement that people are taking on your site to understand what content is engaging, what content's not engaging, where are people dropping off in the funnel, where are they deserting, and then helping use those clicks and movements and that data to improve the consumer experience and and really to understand what the consumer is looking to do on the website.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's so important. I mean, you could spend a lot of a lot of money and time getting people to the site. But if they don't buy or opt in or whatever you want them to do, then it's sort of pointless.
1: Right. Yeah. And look, conversion optimization is, you know, as a, as an industry, it's called conversion rate optimization. So it obviously gets a lot of, of, uh, looks at wanting to increase conversion rates, but there are tons of metrics that are really improved through these processes and we can dive into the processes a little bit perhaps but you know we want to look at things like increasing your average order value right helping you to um, look at all of what we call the micro conversions these are all the things that people do on your site before they buy what are those leading indicators we really want to focus on those and help push people further down the funnel or remove the barriers from them moving themselves further down the funnel Right, mm-hmm. And those micro-conversions could be anything from getting somebody to sign up for an email list. For instance, we know that typically email is going to be the highest converting channel for an e brand. So having your owned email list is really important. But you also don't want to make it really obtrusive and interruption to the purchasing process to have somebody sign up. For instance, um, think about email pop-ups. Right, so you get to a, uh, a website, you start looking around, you're trying to orient yourself and understand if they can help you solve the the problem that you're on their site to to solve, and all of a sudden, a pop-up comes up and asks you to sign up for their email address. It's really disruptive, right? So it's just having empathy for the consumer in those process in those types of uh, uh, engagements
0: so what is there an average conversion rate? percentage that people should be striving for or does it really depend mm-hmm. on the the site itself?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's one that I get probably several times a day. And <laughs> I would say that, you know, the look, the the short answer is that the best conversion rate is one that is always improving. And that yep. should really be a brand's goal just continually improve their conversion rate. And the reason looking at an industry average is not very helpful is that you know every company is at a different spot in their life cycle and their profitability, et cetera. But also, I've seen brands that have a 10% conversion rate, but they're losing money. Mm, and I've seen yeah. brands that have a half a percent conversion rate that are doing extremely well on the margins and the revenue. So conversion rate as the only metric is not that helpful. Now, um, it is a great thing to watch as a trend line and continue to grow. But you know the other thing to be thinking about here with conversion rates, I've, you know, I've seen conversion rates as low as 0%, of course. But at Amazon Prime, if you're a Prime customer, you're converting 78% of the time you visit their site. So that range goes from 0 to 78%. Wow. And so trying to figure out where you fit in there is very, very hard. And, you know, even if you're at a 2% conversion rate and that's really healthy for you, you see a 78% conversion rate that Amazon prime gets and you start to get really concerned and feel bad about yourself and your performance when that's not really necessary. So you mentioned earlier
0: that there's some, a lot of barriers that that website owners unintentionally place on their website like these pop-up email pop-ups mm-hmm. what are some common barriers that you've seen that are just sort of low-hanging fruit that that anybody can sort of take away today
1: yeah a, a handful of things that we see on a daily basis that we just know create a poor consumer experience or on top of that they just reduce conversion rates and online sales Email pop-ups is one of them. Again, of course, I understand you want to have people on your email list and you should, but put that into a place on your website that is part of that conversion flow instead of making it an interruption uh, that is very dramatic. What I mean by that is, you know, you should have an email sign up in, in the footer of every page. If people are looking to sign up for your information. They will get that and they will see it and they will they know they can go to your footer to sign up. Another user experience challenge we see quite often is things like auto-rotating banners. How many websites do you go to on a daily basis that you hit the home page and right under the navigation they have this big image that continually is rotating through with different images, different messages, different features. You see it all the time, right? Well yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, Adam, that you know, we find that uh, those really kill conversions on an e-commerce website. Now, most people say, well, but i got to get to communicate a lot of different messages there. Well, we've done a lot of research and a lot of testing on these. And yes, you're communicating messages, but even Notre Dame University has done a research study on this pretty comprehensive one that we found that says that the number of clicks that the second item in your auto rotating carousel is going to get is going to be like one one-hundredth of a percent of all the total clicks on the carousel. And then it dramatically decreases for the third, fourth, fifth, et cetera items. All the clicks are gonna go to the first item, right? But even then, the the banner out of total clicks on a homepage that it's on, is gonna get less than 1% of the clicks on that page. So you're really taking something that is not gonna get a high level of interaction, but And you're putting the most emphasis on it by animating it and moving it and getting the most people to look at it. So it's really obtrusive to the, to the consumer experience. And what most people do is they make these auto-rotating banners to please the marketing team at their corporation for the most part mm-hmm. and who has several messages they want to get out. Well, the problem with that is that you know really just should use that space to focus on one message, and that is, what do you sell? Not just one product and one feature. Not a sale about you know we're doing forty percent off sale right now. Whatever that is, shouldn't be a promotion. It should be what is your what are you selling? Is it the benefit of your the products you sell overall? Is it a better lifestyle for the for the visitor? Um, are you solving their needs if they're going camping? Where you provide a range of camping gear, for instance that's great. But just having one product there really kind of shoehorns that brand in as a consumer comes to your site. It's almost like you know having a retail store and you you want your best sellers out front as people walk in because that attracts them to come into the store and, and continue to move further back to where the, maybe the there's other items and add-ons further back in the store. But um, it's the same thing where if you only put you know, one line of items out front, um, that's all people are going to think you sell. And so you really need to be thinking about your e-commerce website like a retail store. And, um, you know, a lot of these user experience challenges that I'm talking about with email pop-ups and auto-rotating carousels and things of that sort, you really need to think about your website as if it's a retail store. And if you would not do it in your retail store, you shouldn't do it on your website. so consider this adam if i walk into a retail store and a sales associate immediately pops out with a with a clipboard and says john sign up for my email list what's your reaction going to be this is weird yeah pretty negative probably at least right you might even leave right so why would you do that on a website it really doesn't make any sense yeah (laughs) The way you explained it makes complete sense.
0: I totally agree. What are some other other examples of of things that people do on their online store that they probably wouldn't do if they had a retail store?
1: Well, I think you know you should be thinking about the any interruptions that you're providing to a consumer. Um, you know one of the big things is you think about how consumers are walking through a retail store and there can be a sales associate who is helpful and checks in quickly and then lets you browse, right? And and you know they're there or you can have that sales associate who's following you around and continually bugging you, right? Mm-hmm. So think about that with your website. How are you available for them and are you making it easy to get in touch if they have questions but you're not being obtrusive in Really, just bugging them at all times. Now, a good example of this a lot of folks are using chat bots or chat widgets. We're all for chat bots, they work really well. Um, But there's something about the ones that continually pop up all the time down in the bottom right hand corner and just say things like, Do you have any questions? Let me know. Here's our latest sales, Um, things of that sort that people think they're being helpful. But in reality, the best way to think about this, Adam, is consumers are only at your website for one of two reasons. The first reason is, is that they have a pain or a need that they want to get solved. And for some reason, they ended up on your site because they thought your site can help solve that pain or need. So maybe they were led there by a friend who sent them a link or a social post they saw or even clicking on AdWords or your, you know they found you through a Google search or a YouTube video whatever it might be, something led them there with an intent in their in their mind, right? Of something they were going to get from your website. And that's all tied around solving a pain or a need. If you can help them get to your site and understand if you can help solve that pain or need very, very quickly, then they're going to have a great brand association and move forward and move further down the funnel. The second reason people would be at your website is that Uh, they want to convert. They want to buy that product as quickly and easily as possible. So anything that you do to get in their way is only going to help to uh, increase the desertions from your site. Now, I have a two and a half year old at home and a good example of this, I was just uh, trying to buy a flight on Delta the other day and um, I was searching through flights, had an itinerary booked out that I really wanted and it all aligned with everything I needed. And, and I needed to go get my credit card so I could complete the purchase, right? And in that meantime, my two and a half year old came up and was, was pulling on my arm saying, you know, dad, come play with me, uh, wanted some attention. So I took a moment and I went over and, and I helped him play for a few minutes and um, interacted with him. And then I came back and Delta had logged me out, cleared out my search, and I had to start all over again and it was just such a painful consumer experience that i all i wanted to do was i had a need and i was trying to convert and they made it very difficult to do because i stepped away and so it's you know one of those things where you you want to make sure you only have a couple of minutes to help people complete that conversion before you know that life's daily interruptions are going to happen so you want to try to convert as quickly as you can but after you know if they do get interrupted something of that sort you still want to make it as easy as possible yeah that makes sense
0: what what is your approach to to optimizing the conversion rate of a website
1: well i think that the the first thing that brands should do is gain some empathy for the consumer and a lot of the things I've talked about today have been centered around how the consumer thinks and feels, right? There are so many brands that, that we interact with on a daily basis that um, are doing what they feel is best on their site and they, as they should. Uh, but they're, uh, you know, they're so close to their website, their products, to what they mm-hmm. sell that it becomes really hard to understand what that new to file customer, somebody who's just visiting your website for the first time, what their impression is, what they're thinking, how they're going to interact with your site. I say this all the time, but I think it's, it's uh, really helpful. I, I think that it's really hard for an e-commerce site you know, owner or um, a VP of e-com at a brand, I think that it's really hard for them to read the label from inside the jar. Yeah, they're, totally. so, they're so close to it that they can't really understand what it's like for someone else coming in. And the problem there really is that um, they're not tracking every click and movement that people are taking on their site to help gain some of that empathy. So there's really four pieces of data that every e-com site should be tracking. And it doesn't matter what size you are, you can collect these four pieces of data pretty easily now. The technology is there. The cost has come way down. So this used to be for the big brands only, but now it really has become more democratized. The first one is analytics. Now, Google Analytics is the one most people think of, and that's great. It's a good tool. It's free. Let's be honest. Google makes it free because you they want you to buy more ads, right? So a lot of the, the metrics in there are all around helping you drive traffic. So to be thinking about conversions, you have to dig a little bit deeper than just the generic dashboards that, that they provide. But it's all in there, and it's all free. There's a great view in Google Analytics that shows you the paths people are taking through your site, and it really shows you all the drop-off points. Now those are great breadcrumbs for you to go and, and follow and say, okay, why are people dropping off on each of these pages? What is causing them to desert? How can we prevent that? How can we keep them going further down the funnel until they convert? So that's that's a great uh, little tip about Google Analytics. The second data point is heat maps. Now. The idea here is you can look at heat maps based on cursor movements, where people's mouses are moving. You can do eye tracking heat maps, so where people are looking on your pages of your site. You can do um, click tracking. This is where uh, everyone is clicking on your site. I like to look at something we call rage clicking. This is when people start clicking in an area of the site. Maybe it's an image or a logo or something like that that they think is going to take an action if they click on that area, but it's not actually a link. Those are great breadcrumbs right there to help you understand what you should make clickable, right? The consumer is telling you, I'm trying to click here and it's not working and I'm getting frustrated. So you can take that and alter your site based on that information. Just some of those little things that make it easier for the consumer are going to drive big results. It's a great place to start. Um, you can also do something called scroll scroll tracking. Excuse me. This is how far down the page are people scrolling? Where do they stop? Where do they drop off and, and either go to the next page or just desert? And then you can help prioritize what content goes higher up on the page. Now, all of this can be done pretty easily. There's a tool called Hotjar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It's about $9 a month, I believe. Amazing tool set. Something um, everybody should be running on their site. Uh, they've done a really great job with it. Uh, A third piece of data is user testing. Now, there's some great tool sets out there to help you with this, um, but we'll talk about how you can even just do it for free. Uh, User testing is where you would send people to your website who match your ideal customer profile and ask them to complete some tasks while they talk out loud about what they're thinking. Now, the idea here is we have all of this type of quantitative data, the analytics, the heat mapping, et cetera, where we're understanding what people are doing. Now we want some of that qualitative data. Why are they doing that? What are they thinking as they go through that, right? So we can combine that qualitative and quantitative and and get some really great insights um, when you look at them together. And so, you know, there's some great tools that you can do this where record their screen and their audio and, um, you know, can help you to, to recruit these folks. Um, and that can add up. Um, and it's something that we do offer for, for brands uh, that are a little bit larger. But for smaller brands, it's really easy to just take a laptop, go to your local mall or your park or anything of that sort, and just walk up to people and say, hey, you know, I, I run an e website. Would you spend five minutes and can I ha- ask you to look at this and give me your feedback? And maybe you give them a discount code for your site, or you give them $5 for their time, or a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. It's pretty simple. You'd be surprised that, yeah, you know, you're going to get some people who say no, but you will get a surprisingly large number of people who would be willing to help you through that. So you can get that great information for fairly inexpensive.
0: Are there any services that offer that?
1: There are some technical services we use uh, and partner with one called usertesting.com. Um, Now, it's a great service. It does what we call remote unmoderated testing. What this means is we're not looking over their shoulders. Uh, These people do it in the comfort of their own home or or location. And uh, it's a piece of software that runs on their computer that lets us record their screen and their audio um, while we're walking them through the tasks we want them to do. Um, But we're not doing it live. We're not doing it while we're looking over their shoulder um and it allows us to scale this up and do it fairly quickly you get lots and lots of folks but it is fairly expensive now uh, it's tens right. of thousands of dollars so you have to be thinking about that as a um as somewhere to to maybe aspire to or if you're a larger brand it would be great but if you're a smaller brand just recruiting folks uh you know off off the street or your local park etc can be really really eye-opening um Nordstrom does this with their consumers. Nordstrom.com has a great website. Very, They have a whole team focused on optimizing their website. And what they do is their team out of Seattle, they're based out of Seattle. Uh, what they do is they actually go to, to their flagship store in Seattle and they set up camp there for a day. And they just recruit people walking by and say, hey, you know, you're shopping here at Nordstrom. Do you ever shop on the website? And you're like, yes, I do. Okay, great. Would you mind giving us five minutes of your time? We want to show you something new and ask for your feedback. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many people are more than willing to do that.
0: It sounds like from everything you've said that it, it's really data that should be driving your decision making on the, 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 on the way you design and merchandise your website. hundred
1: percent. Right? Yes. Yes, very much so data back decisions about your specific site visitors. And I think that's an important point, too, there, Adam. It, it, yes, it is all about having the right data, all those clicks and movements, but it's also about your site visitors, not just going and looking at your competitors and saying, well, five of my competitors do this, it must be working. It's really about focusing on, does that work for your visitors? Right. And that's a really important point. You know, We've mm-hmm. worked with several companies that compete over the years, and what works for one does not work for the other.
0: Totally, and and you're absolutely right about some of the websites that are sort of self-serving. I call them narcissistic websites, <laughs> where the they they seek to uh, to pump up the 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 employees or the business owner or, or whatnot, and and tell you know they give you two thousand words on the history of the business. Nobody cares, <laughs> right? I mean, it's all about what's in it for the visitor. That's, that's what a visitor is tuned into, what's in it for me.
1: Well, and that goes back to the retail store. If I walked into a retail store and at the very front of the store was all just about the history of the company and about them and everything else, but it didn't do anything to help me solve the pain or need that I had, which brought me to the store in the first place, I'm going to turn around and leave. Right. Totally. But so many brands do that on their homepage. They just talk about themselves and, and, you know, what their products are as opposed to the benefit that they're providing to that consumer and how they can help them solve a pain or need. Mm.
0: What is, so, I mean, this is all good info and, you know, I have, I have, you know, a lot of questions we could be on here for the three hours, <laughs> but what is the most important thing that a business owner uh, that has an online website. That, what is the number one next step that you would recommend them take that you know today to just help do anything that you've been talking about?
1: Well, I think the f- number one thing they should do is start tracking this data we talked about. Okay. Most brands, you'd be surprised. I I've talked to over the course of a week, hundreds of ecom brands, and those brands, I am shocked at, at the the small majority or small minority who are actually doing this tracking. The vast majority are not. And they're not making data back decisions. And that's yeah. where it starts to become a big problem. So really focusing on um, collecting that data. Go to Hotjar, sign up for $9. You get access to so much great data. And then I would highly recommend that you have that data pushed to you. Here's why I'm suggesting that. Most brands, even if they do get the data, the second step is they stop paying attention to it after a few weeks. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. really wanted to keep it in front of you. So all of these sites will will push that data on a, a whatever basis you want, a daily basis, a weekly basis, to your inbox. You can set up Google Analytics to send reports as a PDF to your inbox every morning if you'd like. And it's all part of the free um toolset so thinking about how can i push that data is going to be really really important just so it's always in front of you then i highly recommend just take an hour a week to digest the data you know i it doesn't need to be more than a couple of minutes a day just to look at that data and you start well, you will start noticing trends in the long term but then take one hour a week where you sit down and do nothing but dive into the data just look and see if you can fight figure out what's happening what's the data telling you once you become familiar with that, I promise you by a month, you'll start seeing some trend lines of things you notice over and over. And you say, oh, that's a problem. Why is that happening? And you start thinking critically about why it's happening. Then you start thinking about how why it's happening because the consumer is taking that action. And what what is happening to the consumer experience that's causing them to do that? Then mm. you really can start having some meaningful impact on your site. Yeah. And then I'm assuming the next po-
0: the, the next step is to, to, to make the change based on the data and then test the change.
1: Exactly. And that's the last data point that we really didn't even talk about out of the four. Um, I mentioned there were four. We talked about analytics and heat mapping and user testing. Mm-hmm. The fourth is called A-B testing or split testing. So this is happening to you all over the internet. And out of the top, like probably 10,000, Ecom sites, uh, I bet you 99.9% are doing this. And you have no idea it's happening to you as you're traveling around the internet all day. But what's happening is you're getting bucketed and segmented into a test. So let's talk about what A-B testing and split testing is. Say you have 100 people come to your website. You can use A-B testing to send 50 of those people to a small variant of a change on your website. It could be small or large, but it could be anything from changing um, the headlines and copy to changing photography, something as big as completely reordering all the content on a page or changing the navigation experience, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other 50, you would just show your, your static site as it is today without any of those changes. And then you statistically compare what changes are having the biggest impact and are they having a meaningful impact over the current site? And so you're able, again, to use data to make an informed decision about what should permanently be changed on your site. And uh, that's what the, the fourth data point is, is A-B testing, and it's, it's really crucial. But I do list it fourth because if you don't have all the other data about what to think about then you really can't form what test should be run, right? It's really important to understand what people are doing on your site and where you need to uh, impact some change before you would run a test. Hmm.
0: No, that makes sense. I've been on Amazon.com several times and noticed that I've been uh, served an AB test uh, on one particular product page. Then uh, I'll click and go to another product page, and the, you know, the the buy box, for instance, is. has a different layout. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. Um, and that's a tool set that A-B testing used to be a tool that was several tens of thousands of dollars a month to do, right? And you had to have a whole dedicated team, et cetera. Google actually has a great tool. It's free. It integrates well with Google Analytics. It's called Google Optimize. It's fairly new, um, and it works extremely well. It has a what you see is what you get editor. So you can go in and without a ton of technical knowledge, you can run some tests on your site and it will tell you, does the math for you and tells you what tests are winning. It does take some effort to set up and run, but it's not something that's an insurmountable barrier for, for most brands. Um, so they're you know really trying to help also democratize that, that conversion optimization and using data.
0: Yeah. I and mean, that makes sense that Google is putting this out because the. In order to serve more ads, they people have to continue to trust Google with serving the best search results, and, mm-hmm. and Google loves,
1: to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Google loves when you do A/B testing. They really do because they're providing a better experience for for folks who are um, clicking through their ads, as you mentioned.
0: So, John, your website is thegood.com. dot uh, com. Well, by the way, why, why did you name it the good?
1: Great question. Um, so our mission here is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain. Hmm. So the Genesis love. was, was part of the, the mission statement.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, uh, the website is thegood.com. Is there any, uh, anywhere else that people can find you or what's the best next step if they want to learn more about seeing you can help them?
1: Yeah. So on our website at thegood.com, uh, you can sign up for our weekly insights. Uh, this is uh, free, wonderful learning content. If you liked what you heard today, there's tons of articles, 10 years of great content up there, it's searchable uh, for any pain point that your consumers might be having, or even to help you understand how to find those pain points. Um, it's uh, published every Tuesday morning. Uh, there's no sales pitches in it, it's all just helpful content. Um, educational content. Um, So feel free to go and join that email list. Um, And then there's, if you want to learn more about what we do, how we help brands, both large and small, um, you can easily uh, find that information up on our site, um, including uh, what we call our Conversion Growth Lab. The Conversion Growth Lab is an online community that is based around Slack. We have a Slack uh, community uh, with helpful resources, and it's really meant to help smaller brands who probably can't afford, uh, don't have the resources to work with an agency uh, like The Good to do their conversion optimization for them. But they need some resources, and they're very interested. And we recognize, again, going back to trying to democratize CRO that, uh, you know, these folks need some help too. And um, so we're providing a community where they can engage and have helpful resources, uh, watch uh, teardowns of the top 100 e-comm sites um, to gain some knowledge about what they're doing right and wrong and how they can apply those things to their site. Um, And then discuss with peers and office hours with our team here at The Good. Wow. Okay. So that's Conversion Growth Lab. Yes. And you can find it on the good.com. Perfect.
0: We'll check that in the show notes. Great. Man, John, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this uh, very important information. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Adam. It was a great conversation.
0: The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by The CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the slash
1: video.